Greetings and welcome back to another on an ongoing series of Shiuri Mandaf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and as promised, we are going to pick up with Mishnah Hay of the seventh parak of Masachat Sota, which is grouped together with the first four Mishnayot, which we attended to in the previous podcast. Uh, so please turn to Daf Lamed Bet Amud Aleph if you're following in a standard Gemara. And um, we will do the Mishnah, which picks up off of one of the items listed in Mishnah Bet, which is Brachot Uklalot. And that uh, details as follows, and then we will go to Dafalamid Gimel Amud Bet and pick up on the Gemara's analysis. Brachot Uklalot Ketzad. What does this mean that it was done by Lashon HaKodesh? And now we got a full description. Kevan Shavri Yisrael Tayarden, once Ben Yisrael crossed the Yarden. Now it's important to note as a preface to this entire thing, that the Torah commands us in Dvarim Chavzayin that on the day that we cross the Yardin, we go immediately up to Har Grizim and Har Eval and do the Brachot Uklalot as will be delineated here. Uh, however, in Sefer Yehoshua, B'nai Yisrael, if we follow the read of the text, B'nai Yisrael first cross, they do Brit Milah, do Gorb Korban Pesach, conquer Yericho, uh, fail at Ha'ai, then conquer Ha'ai, and only then at the end of chapter 8, go up to Har Grizim and Harival, or at least to Harival, for the uh, ceremony as described and as commanded in Sefer Dvarim. However, the Mishnah and the Tosefta in greater detail here in Sota indicate that they assume that the text is out of order, and the first thing that happened on that very first day was that they went up to Grizim and Eval, had the ceremony, and from there came back down to the Yardin, to Gilgal, where they proceeded with all of the things I described, which leaves a huge question of why the text wrote it in such a different order. That's an issue for Shir on Sefer Yoshua, not on Masachat Sota. But just as a preface. Brachot uklalot ketzad. Kevan shavru Yisrael tayardein. Once Bnei Yisrael crossed the Yardin, uvau al har grizim al har They came to grizim and eval, which are two mountains that overlook the city of Shechem. And now the text gives us the directions. Shib Shomron, it's in the area of Samaria. Shib Shechem, they're next to Shechem. Shib Eitzel Elone Moreh, next to Elon Moreh. Was a a elonemore, which is a famous series of oak trees. Shinemar, and now we have the text that supports all of those geographic markers. In the beginning of Parshat Re'e, in, in Tvarim Yudalef, it says that you, uh, I'm going to give you the bracha and kola. When you come to the land, you are to to declare them at this place. Halohema be'evahayardain. The text first of all says that they are on the other side of the Ardain, meaning on the west bank. It doesn't say Shechem, it just says the mountains are over Elone Moret. The beginning of Avram's entry into the land says he crossed through the land to the place of Shechem, which is Elon Moret. So therefore we say, Ma Elon Moreh Hamur Lahalan Shechem, just like the Elon Moreh of Avraham is Shechem, Af Elon Moreh Hamur Kan Shechem, so the Elon Moreh mentioned in Re'eh is also Shechem, because it doesn't say Shechem anywhere there in the, uh, in the um, context of Re'eh. Now, what happened? Shishash Fatim Alulurosh Har Grizim, Shishash Fatim Alulurosh Har Eval, that you can see in Tvarim Chaf Zion, where it describes the ceremony. Six of the tribes went up to Har Grizim. Interesting enough, one of them mentioned is Levi. That will become a problem later. And six of them will go up to Har Eval. Those are going to be the ones associated with the curse. Vakonim, Valvim, Vaharon, Omdim, Lamata, Ba'emtsa. The Konim and Levim, there's the problem. And the Aron are all at the bottom between the mountains. 
Hakwanim Kifim Taron, the Aron is surrounded by Kwanim, Valvimata Kwanim, so it's very much like the Machana, the Aron in the middle, around them the Kwanim, around them the Levim. The whole nation is on both sides. Shinemar, and now we quote the proof text not from Dvarim but from Yehoshua. They're standing on both sides. So the people in the middle faced Targrizim. And they started not with the text found in Dvarim. The text found in Dvarim of those 11 imprecations starts with the word, word Arur. They would start with the word Baruch and invert the statement. So Baruch Aisha Look at the verse on the, on the handout and you can see that the verse in Dvarim is Arur Aisha That's the first of the 11. So Baruch Aisha They would invert the statement and, and switch Arur to Baruch. The people on both mountains would answer Amen. And of course, as we said, this is all Balashan HaKodesh. And then they would turn at immediately to Harival. They wouldn't go through all 11. They'd say the first one of Baruch, then turn to Harival and say it the way the Pasuk reads. And then both answer Amen. Until they finish the entire sequence. Now, uh, parenthetically, um, uh, in the shiur that is linked to the previous podcast, you can find it on the on the website. It's linked to the podcast before this, uh, the one that's the first lecture on seventh chapter. I go through all of the things, including this particular ceremony, and explain why it should be blush on hakodesh. Um, and what happens afterwards? Then they took the rocks, which rocks we'll see in the Gemara, and they built a Mizbeach, they plastered it, they write the entire Torah in 70 languages. Because it says you are supposed to write with clarity, and the way it's understood, clarity meaning so that any every nation could understand it. And then they took the rocks, which means they took the Mizbeach apart, which is a little bit problematic, and they brought it to the place where they were going to sleep, which was Gilgal. And as the Tzefta says, look at how many miracles happened to them on one day. They crossed the Erdain, they brought these rocks up to Hargrizim, they did the whole ceremony, they built the Mizbeach, they celebrated, and then they took the rocks and went down to Gilgal all in one day. Okay, the, now turn to the Gemara, and Daf Lamed Gimel Amud Bet. Brachot Uklalot Ketzad. So now we're going to have a, a variation on the Mishnah. So we're going to take a look at the opening pasuk that describes the geography of where they're, where they're to go. Uh, or so the cartography. Meaning it's on the other side of the Yarden, the, the, um, the west side. The Vera Yehuda. The next thing is it's after the root of Mavo Hashemesh, of the sun setting. Meaning, Makom Shechama Zorachat. So then that could, now they're going to claim that what it means is, it <coughs> um, is, it actually means the, not where the sun sets, but rather where the sun comes up, comes up, meaning it's far from the, uh, from the Jordan itself, it's a distance from there. Um, uh, Right now, the problem is that, that these mountains are not in the Arava. Elu Hargrizim Harival Shiyoshvin Bahem Kutim. So the reason that they that they call it Eretz Hakreni is it refers to Hargrizim and Harival that in the times of Midrash Halacha there were Kutim living there, the Samaritans. They still live in Hargrizim. 
Mul HaGilgal. Now, what's that Samuch HaGilgal? Now, the Gilgal mentioned in this Pasuk is not the Gilgal where Ben Yisrael camped when they crossed the Yardain, which is near, which is right near the Jordan River. This is a Gilgal that's up in, in Shamron. There's at least four different Gilgals in Tanakh, um, and at least uh, two of them are up in the, in the mountains of Shamron. So Shechem. How do we know that? So we had we had from the Mishnah. Now Tanya Amar Rabbi Elazar Rabbi but the verses Yafti Sifrei Kutim. I showed the Samaritans that in the Samaritan Torah or in the way that they studied, they had um, literally forged, but it means that they had had. Um, had uh, m- had misled and had misconstrued what was written. Amarti uh, lahem. This is what I said to the Samaritans. It's important to note that in Tanaitic times there were still contacts with the Samaritans, and they were con- there was a re- reason to think that they were sort of crypto Jews. By the times of the Gemara, they discovered already. Take a look in the Rambam in his Perusha uh, Mishnayot in the end of the eighth parak of Brachot. You see, he notes that by the time of the Gemara, they had already discovered that they had a different religion and they were not Jewish. But whenever you talk uh, about Samaritans, about Kutim, within the context of Tanaim, they're regarded as something of a middle class, a middle state. Uh, so he said, You uh, forged the Torah, which means you rewrote the Torah with emendations. Look at a Samaritan Torah, which is available at any good library. And you can see that there are modifications they made to the Torah. Uh, and you haven't accomplished anything. Why? In your t- in the text of the Samaritan Torah, it says which it doesn't say in our Torah. But we also agree that it's Shem. We don't need for it to be written. We know it's Shem because we have from Masora. We learned it by Shava from Avram, where it does say Shem. But how did you get it? In other words, you're claiming it's Shem, but you don't have a method for getting it, which means you're, you're, he's saying you should agree that you have added of your own accord to what the Torah says, but you don't have a source for that. Now, by the way, Shem is a very critical thing in the context of the Samaritan religion because they believe that Har Grizim really was the mountain where Avram took Yitzchak, and that was really where the Holy Mountain is. That's why they continue to offer Korbanot Ad Hayom uh, up on Har Grizim. I was Zoha one year to be present um, when we had a regular year and they had a Shara Muberet in 1999 to be present at the offering of the Korban Pesach up on Har Grizim. Quite a spectacle. Um, Good. Now that's Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Lazar Omer. He goes through the same piece. Samuch Yardain. He disagrees. It's not that far from the Yardain. It's near the Yardain. If you think it's far away, So he seems to think that Grizim and Eval are right near the Jordan because it says as you pass the Jordan, you go up to Har Grizim and Har Eval. So he says it must be close. What does that mean? Meaning it's to the west. The place where the sun sets. Be'eretz ha'kanim, meaning Eretz chivihi, but Shem is not, not, not belong to the Kananim. belongs to the Chivim, as you see in Breshit Lamed Dalad, um, and um, um, when Yaakov interacts with the people of Shem, and we know how that ends out. Hands up. Hayashev Barava, what's that? Valo benarim gvaroten yoshvin, which I mentioned before. How can the text say it's in the plains of the Arava? This whole area is a mountain area. So Mulha Gilgal, Havalora Uta Gilgal. So they're saying they this is not where Gilgal is at all. 
Alright, so he's saying that it, that the directions are a little confusing. So, so he adds to it, he says, Here's, here's what it means. He answers the question. And the text is giving them directions, not of necessarily where to go, but also how to walk. As we'll see in a second, just like when they left Mitzrayim, they had the cloud to lead them, now they have directions, a GPS to lead them. Alright, and it's very much of a GPS here, as you'll see. Derech, why do you say derech? But derech lechuvalo besadot tochorim. Walk on the road, don't walk through fields. Hayoshev, meaning, beyeshuv lechuvalo mamid barot. Walk through towns, don't walk in desolate areas. Ba'arava, what does that mean? Ba'arava lechuvalo barimugvot. The best way to walk is ba'arava. In other words, Rabbi Yaakov answers Rabbi Lazar's question. Rabbi Lazar's question is, all of the markers there are just not true. He says, yeah, they're not markers of where to get to, they're markers of how to walk. Derech, yeshuv, Arava, that's how you should go in order to, to get to the proper way. But that's not telling you where the destination is. Alright, Tana Rabbanan, Kitsanavri Yisrael Tayodain. Let's see what happened when they crossed. If you read Parshat Palotcha, you see that the way that Am Yisrael marched is there was Machni Yehuda, and then Machni Reuven, and then the Aron. However, on this day, the Aron went in front of them. Yeshua Perakimot says, Behold, the Aron is going to walk in front of you, 2,000 Amot in front, stay in back, so that you know where to go. Normally, the Levim would carry the Aron, Today, the Kohanim carried the Aron, and we'll see the three different times in history the Kohanim carried the Aron. That when the Kohanim's feet, those Kohanim who are carrying the Aron, the minute their feet come into the uh, into the Yardin, the waters will stop, which we're going to get to in a minute. Tanya Rabbi Yossi Omer, he adds the piece I just mentioned. There's three places where the Kohanim carried the Aron. One, Shavruot Ha'adein, we just saw that. Two, Cheseibut Yericho, in Yoshua Perak Vav, when they circumnavigated Yericho for seven straight days, on the seventh day going seven times around, the Kohanim carried the Aron. That's a reference in Malachim Aleph, Perak Chet, to when the Shlomo dedicated the Beit HaMikdash, and they brought the Aron in from the tent that David had constructed for it, and brought it into the Beit HaMikdash. That was carried by Kohanim. Now, back to the Ardain. The minute that the Kohanim put their feet into the water, the water immediately backed up. Remember, the waters of the Ardain are flowing downstream, and that's south from the Kinneret. The waters backed up. Um, Alright, so as soon as they put their feet in, the water stopped up, they became one wall, all the way up to Adam, which is next to Tsartan, which is not far south of the Kinneret. How high did the water go? So we have one opinion, that it was 12 mil high and 12 mil wide, a wall of water, because that's the size of Machane Israel. But what that means is that sort of for every person that stepped in, it was like a person's height of uh, water rising, so that by the time they had all gone through, the water was at maximum height. As soon as they left, it came down. How, that's the verb Yehuda. But Amr Shimon, he disagrees. So that Varech Adam Kalamayim Kalim, what's faster? People or water? Water is much faster. So if that's the case, and the waters only went up to 12 mil high, the people would still have not nearly uh, crossed, and there'd be a lot of people in, and the water would have come down and uh, and uh, drowned them. 
or flooded them. So the waters went up, wave over wave, more than 300 mil high, as the people walked through, until they were all gone, and then it cascaded down. And there's another piece to this puzzle, is that now the waters were so high that people throughout the world saw it. Because as soon as they crossed, what's the next pasuk? At the very beginning of chapter 5, after Bnei Yisrael crossed, everybody's stunned, all the kings in the area are stunned, and they're so stunned that Bnei Yisrael is able to, at least following the sequence of the text, have a brit milah and uh, make their entire army vulnerable for three for several days, uh, because nobody's going to mess with them, because they've all seen this great miracle of the water. Now, back to the crossing. Odam Bayardain. Um, while they were in the Yardane, Yoshua said three things to them. Number one, you should know why you're crossing. You're there to conquer the land. You're not there to visit. You're not there to coexist. You're there to conquer the land and dispossess them. He quotes the command from Sefer Midbar. So if you do that, fine. If not, the waters will come and they will uh, drown Otechem. Now, that word Otechem, which is nowhere in the text, this entire thing is Midrashic, nonetheless, we darshan it and say, my Otechem, why did he say Otechem? Otechem, meaning I'll be drowned too. Now, this is very much of an echo of the notion of Kafal and Hakagigit, that at Har Sinai, Kodesh Baruch Hu held a mountain over them and said, if you accept the Torah, fine, and if not, you'll die here. Yeshua says, if you are ready to conquer the land, fine, and if not, you'll be drowned here. Um, Odam by Arden, while they're in the Arden, um, there is a second thing he says. Yoshua, a person should pick up a boulder on his shoulder uh, corresponding to the amount of Shifte Yisrael. That means twelve. That means twelve, uh, twelve boulders. Alright. Uchtiv, what's the purpose of that? Because it's going to be a sign in the future that your children will ask you, what are these rocks? And we have to take the entire picture. There were 12 rocks that they set up in the Ardain as a pile, and which could only be done, of course, when the river is dry. And there were 12 rocks that were set up in Gilgal, so the, the, the kids would ask their parents, why are these rocks in Gilgal? They'd point to the ones in the Ardain, which, of course, would then be able to point to Yamsuf and say, we crossed the Ardain like we crossed Yamsuf. But what, how does the Gemara take it? Siman lebanim shavru avot atayardain. It's going to be a sign to the children who weren't there in the future generations that their ancestors across the Yardain. It's an Andarta monument. Now, Odam Bayardain, the third thing that he said while they're in the Yardain, Amar lehen Yoshua, Sulachem mizem mitoch Yardain, Matzav aglea kohanin, achen shtem avanim. So he said, take from the Yardain, from where the Kohanim are standing, 12 rocks, Varatem otam machem. Take them with you, and take them to the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Right? And those are the 12 rocks that end up in Gilgal. I might think that you take them from lodge to lodge. Therefore, the text says, the lodge where you stay tonight, meaning that's the one lodge where you keep it. These three Tanaim, they found those rocks and they stood on them. And they measured them. Each one of them weighed 40 sa'a. 
Ugmiri, and remember that means that one person put a rock on his shoulders and he picked it up by himself. The Tu'ud, the Midli Inchi, the Katfa, we have a, 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 an understanding, kind of a calculus, that, when, that what a person is able to put on his own shoulders alone, tilta de Tu'unehave, it's a third of what they're able to put on their shoulders if somebody else ha- helps them and somebody else carries with them. So, Mikan, Atamachashev, Leshkol. So now you can calculate what the uh, the, gr- the huge grape cluster that the scouts brought back. Um, if you listen to this relatively live, then it's in this week's parsha, parsha Shlach. Uh, you could see how big it was. They took the cluster with two people, meaning that they had. Uh, let's see what bishnayim is. If we know it's a pole, and you know should bishnayim, I know that it's two because one person doesn't carry a pole. The pole is across two people. Why does it say two? motot, meaning there were two poles. In other words, the idea is that two people were carrying two poles crisscrossing and the cluster was in the middle. So you can imagine how huge that cluster was if it, if it's now going to be three times, um, the 40 sa'ah. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak, um, Tortani, but Tortani to Tortani. He says really all eight of the other scouts, and we'll see why there's eight here, all eight of the other scouts were carrying, um, we're carrying this one cluster, and he says tertani, which means a, a, a burden. So it's a burden on top of a burden. And the, the sticks were crisscrossed, and other sticks were on top of them. So eight of them carried the cluster. Which means this cluster now, according to this, weighed figure um, three times 40 times eight. So that's going to come out to over a thousand sa'at. Why do we get eight? Because... One, because the text says they carried Ramon and Teina, so one of them carried a huge pomegranate, one carried a huge fig, and Yoshua of Achalev, they didn't carry anything. So what's left is eight scouts who carried the Eshkol. Uh, there's nothing in the Pasuk that recommends that it, that it go in this direction as opposed to a huge pomegranate, but that's the, uh, the uh, traditional understanding. Why did Yoshua and Kalev not carry anything? Because they were perhaps more important. It was beneath their dignity. They didn't want anything to do with the other ten scouts and their report, which was intended in the Midrashic eyes. The reason for them bringing these huge fruit was not to show how beautiful the land is, but rather to say how abnormal and how... Um, how um, uh, strange this land was and how everything is giant not only the fruit but the people now going back to Rabbi Yehuda who said that the waters went up 12 mil so according to Rabbi Yehuda when they crossed they crossed as the entire camp so so they crossed with a great width from the Ardain of miles of dry land, and they just crossed over as a camp, and that's why they were able to cross so quickly, and the water only had to rise 12 mil, and that was enough time. According to Rabbi Shimon, who says it rose and rose and rose and rose and rose so high, they crossed in single file. The other one said that really both Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Shimon agreed that they crossed as a camp. So Marsavadam Kalumarsavim Kalim the Machloket is simply can people walk as fast or faster than water uh rising. So if you hold that people can walk as fast, uh then the uh the water only had to rise twelve mil. If you hold that the water goes faster, then even though the camp is only twelve mil, the water would rise faster, so it had to go, go much higher before they were able to complete 
their crossing. Okay, uh, we will uh, stop at this point and pick up our analysis at the top of Daf Lamed Dalad Amud Bet in the next podcast, and take it to Lamed Hey Amud Bet to uh, to the issue of Goren Nachon and Goren Kidon, the text in Divrei Amim, as opposed to the text in Sefer Shmuel.